the song that we just sang to come out of the Amidah, taken from the words of the prophetic writings, the prophetic readings that are uh, read on Shabbat morning. And tomorrow morning in particular, the Haftorah, the reading from the prophets, beginning tomorrow and seven weeks leading up to the Rosh Hashanah, leading up to the Chagim, these seven Haftorah, these seven particular prophetic readings begin with the famous words of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, Perek Mem of Sefer Yeshayahu, where the prophet says, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, Yomar Eloichem, Dabru Alev Yerushalayim V'kiru Eleha, Nachamu, Nachamu, comfort be comforted, my people, speak to the heart of Jerusalem, speak to the heart of my people, and tell her that she is comforted. The name of this particular Shabbat is Shabbat Nachamu, the Shabbat of being comforted. And in naming that moment for us, the rabbis, and this is a very old tradition, these Shiva de Nechemta, these seven weeks of being comforted or being held, and that word Nechama, of being consoled or comforted, Nechama. The rabbis brought us, in a way, into the very arc of time, the way that Jewish time plays with us, our emotions, our feelings, our values, where we are in the world. Last Shabbat, of course, many of us remember that it was Echad, it was Tish Av, the ninth day of the month of Av, which is, of course, the Jewish national mourning day, or the catastrophe, the day that commemorates and consolidates all of the moments of trauma and drama and pain and anguish and angst that we as a people have endured. And a short six days later, we have Tuba'av on the full moon of the very month in which those, right, those desolations are remembered. We have Tuba'av, the 15th, two of that month, which is Love Day. We're told that it's a very old tradition of big parties and people connecting with each other and love is in the air, in the air. And in a bigger way, with this Haftorah, with the prophetic readings, we have another moment of after Echa, after the laments and the loss and the howling. Echa is howling. Echa, Echau. We have Nachamu. Be comforted. And just to feel ourselves into the sacred literature and how time and literature and our tradition work together. Not only is tomorrow called Shabbat Nachamu because of the reading of the Haftorah, but every year we read the same Torah portion. Parshat Vat Hanan. The Torah portion that I believe in and of itself might be a nechama. It also might be a consolation because in this Torah portion tomorrow morning we have so many nutrients that we need for living a holy life, for leading a meaningful and purposeful life. The Shema and the Ve'ahavta, right? Those six words of our great mantra are in chapter 6 of the book of Devarim. Tomorrow morning, reading Shema and Ve'ahavta. Tomorrow morning, we are hearing the Ten Commandments the second time. Right, the second iteration of the Aserah Dibro tomorrow morning. The parsha is full of reminders of what it is to be able to enter the land, to enter into the place of a holy society, a good society. 
But it begins with something funny, and it begins in a way that I think bridges for me comfort and what we're leading up to over the next seven weeks, which is tshuva, which is repair, repentance, readying ourselves for the year ahead. There's something in the very beginning of tomorrow morning's reading of our sacred wisdom that points in the direction of a question and an answer about both comfort and change. How comforting nechama and tshuva, which of course also, by the way, tshuva appears tomorrow morning in the Torah portion, v'shavta adonai lohecha, I want to bridge those two things. And it begins with a very funny word, which is kind of, or phrase, which many of us might know from either a book or a movie, where one of the characters says, more, name that movie, Oliver, more, may I have some more, more, to ask for more, there's a funny phrase, some of you might know this a little bit from Seinfeld, like, get out, like what she says, doesn't, doesn't Lane say like, too much, or she says, get out of here, or something like that, too much, right? The Torah will tell us that Moses will come to God and say, God, are you willing to go back on your promise, your oath, not to let me into the land? Right? So, believe it or not, tomorrow morning's reading begins with a figure who won't allow somebody who is a leader into the land of Israel. Does that sound familiar to you? So there's God, and then there's one who imagined themselves to be God. But let's just say that tomorrow we're reading about God saying to Moses, after Moses pleads, some say 515 prayers, some say, right, so many prayers. Moses says to the people of Israel, at that time when God had said to me, I can't make it into the land, I came and I said, really? And the word Vaitchanan from the word chain, charming, is if Moses, the rabbis imagine Moses coming like our kids or kids we know, come to the parents and say, really? You're not going to let me use the iPad, have the car, we can think of some other things. There's a charm, there's a chain, there's etchanan, the word in Hebrew etchanan from the word chanina or tchina, a prayer is also playfully read as the rabbis as Moses coming and using everything within Moses' power to convince God to annul the decree and to let him in. Let me, please, please let me go in. I want to go in. Just let me. And God, in this Elaine moment, in this more moment, says to Moses, Ravlach, Altosef, God is like this ogre-like parent saying, enough already. No, enough. But the word enough is not enough. The phrase is, Ravlach, Rav, Rabim, Rav, you have more than enough. Rav lecha means, What's wrong with you? Rav lach. You have rav, rabim. You have a lot. Al tosef. No more for you. No Israel for you. No more. You want seconds, thirds? You haven't got first yet? Two wash. Rav lach. The commentators are very perplexed by this phrase. Ravlach. God says to Moses Ravlach, and here's one of the commentators, it's early Midrash, the Midrash says that basically here was a conversation between God and Moses. God says to Moses, 
you have to stop speaking now because if you keep going, people are going to think that I'm really harsh and you're really sweet. That's one Midrashic voice. Another Midrashic voice says that here's another conversation between God and Moses. Moses says to God, listen God, I have the power to annul a vow. I have the power, right? You've given human beings, kol nidre, there's, right? Get a group of people together. You made a promise. We can break the promise. No problem. He says to God, hey God, if I can do it, then you can do it too. You made a promise that I can't enter the land, but we all know promises are made to be broken. Come on, God. And God says, Ravlach, meaning that's all good because you have no you have someone greater than you, but I have no one greater than me that can annul my decree. You can bring together a group of people and they can say, You are only human. But what are you gonna say to me? I'm God. Ravlach, meaning there's one greater than you, Rav Lecha. There's one greater than you, and therefore you could break or have others annul your vow. But here's the Midrash that I want to bring us to and hopefully apply for our lives. The Midrash says, there's another place in the Torah where Moses heard these very words. Moses heard the phrase Rav Lach once before, and you know how he knows it? He spoke it. Moses spoke the words, Ravlach, you have more than you need. You have more than enough. When Moses spoke, when Korach, his cousin, and others gathered together to rebel against Moses' leadership, Moses said to the house of Levite, of which he was a member, Ravlach b'nei Levi, you have enough, you Levites. Why do you want more? Why do you come asking for more voice, for more power, for more space? Why do you need more space? As if the Levites came and rebelled and others rebelled and said, Moses, give us room on the platform, on the dais. Give us a voice, Moses. We don't have enough. And Moses said to them, Ravlach. And the Midrash says now, that when God repeats those words to Moses, Moses gets a dose of his own medicine. Taste what it feels like Moses when someone says, Ravlach, you have more than enough. Altosef, we can't add any more. All full here, no room for you. No room for you. As if God, as a great therapist, the character of the divine in the Torah, reflects back to Moses a moment where he failed to offer nechama, where he failed to offer the very heart and the very essence of what it is to comfort another, which is to be able to make room for you to make room for your grief, to make room for your rebellion, to make room for your resistance, to make room for your voice, to make room for your beautiful, unique, absolutely unrepeatable way of being at the heart of the project called Nechama, 
is for there to be makom, to be space. Space for the undoing of thousand-year-old traditions that need to change, but there's room enough to imagine them and reimagine them as Yael is doing with her regendered Torah. Space to allow a voice that says, maybe this is not the way to support Israel, or not the way. Space and the proliferation of voices, that in that space voices grow and voices awaken. At the heart of every democracy is a promise, which is that voices matter. And that every culture and every society that marginalizes voices and says, no room for your voice, every secret, secret that is swept under the carpet, every conversation that is cut off, invites us to continue to repeat it over and over again like grief that is not complete until it is completed. The secrets that we keep seep. The conversations that we don't allow, the voices we don't hear, the faces we ignore, the Congress people whose views we might vehemently oppose, but who are allowed, not allowed, who are, we are blessed to have that proliferation of voices from those many one. Democracy dies in the dark whether it's American democracy or Israeli democracy or whether it's the democracy in your own heart and mind. When a voice arrives and says, I want more, and we say, shut up. You've had enough. Ravlach. Al Tosef. And what beautiful irony then that Moses, of course, in a land that doesn't have even one Jew in it yet, is one who said, you can't come in, there's no room for you. Oh, you, Moses? The one who couldn't hear the voices of your own home. What does it feel like when you're left out? When Joshua, at the very end of this beginning of the Parsha, will now, who, Yanchil Otam? Joshua will go ahead. Maybe that's why we say Nachamu, Nachamu, twice. Because until we comfort completely, it'll keep going around and around. It'll be Nachamu this week, and then another Nachamu next week. In the never-ending cycle of repetition and repetition, until we can say, Rav Lach, Shevet Emek Habacha, you have now been too long ignored. You have now for too long been swept under the carpet. You Shechina, you Elohim, you voices of the mothers and of the daughters and of the matriarchs and all of those who have been silenced for generations and our African-American brothers and sisters and all of those other disowned parts of our own collective unconscious. Until they rise up. Until we awaken voices we won't know the secret of comfort in every home and every shiva 
we come to pay our respects and the halakha, the Jewish law tells us that we are to sit silently until we are spoken to not because our own voice isn't important but the opposite that in the silence that we hold for the other they might find their own voice that our spaciousness awakens in them what they need to say so of course it makes sense that at every shiva when you leave you say hamakom yinachem may the space give you nechama may the space comfort you may this permission giving that we give one another help us, each and every one of us awaken our own voice and the voices all around us because there's enough room for you.